Good morning and welcome. Happy Easter. It's good to gather here in the presence of Almighty God. And as we begin, I just want to share a few announcements. Uh, one, just a reminder that after the service today, uh, we'll have a time of fellowship and coffee. Uh, there's notes in the, the back page about uh, where that is. We'll be meeting at the McPherson School Playground. I think, if I'm, I think it's over that way, if I'm correctly pointing. Um, so hopefully you'll, you can join us after for some time just to be together and talk and celebrate the resurrection together. Uh, also, um, encourage you to take a moment to look on the inside cover. There's information about children's classes this morning there. And then all the way in the back pages of, the, of your order of worship are all the announcements. And so there's a number of things coming up um, in May and day of service and different classes being offered, a book discussion. So uh, take a look and maybe there's things that you would like to be involved in. Last thing, welcome. Glad that we're here. If you're visiting, a uh, special welcome to you. And if you're joining online, we're glad that you can join us in that way and we can be together by God's spirit. If you would like to learn more about the church, uh, there's a connect card that you can fill out at the welcome table, or there's a, a, a way to do that online on the front page of the website. You can fill out the connect card there and that one of the pastors can follow up with you. Well, God's called us to come and worship. And as we get ready to do that, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. I invite you to stand with me that we can join together in our call to worship. This is the good news. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. This is the good news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
please be seated. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are mindful of the words of the angel to the woman at the tomb, that he is not dead, for he has risen. Lord, what uh, wondrous and beautiful words. And, and Father, may they land in us as they did for those women that day, full of surprise and joy and reverence, that the sting of death, it has not overcome, but that your son, Christ, has risen indeed. And Lord, may this good news meet us this morning. May it fill us up with life and joy. May it meet us in the places that death and darkness even hold on, out of places of despair, out of fear and sorrow, out of those old and tired ways of living that bind us up. Lord, you have delivered us from the enslavement of sin and set us free to be a people who love, who love and worship you, who love our neighbors with all the self-giving and gracious love that has been given to us. Father, through your risen Son and by your Spirit, make us more and more into the image of Jesus. Lord, make us also aware of your presence this morning, calling us into worship, not as strangers or workers or foreigners to you, but as your covenant family, as your sons and daughters in Christ. And so, Lord, we turn to you and we pray these things in the name of Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of con uh, one thing. Uh, the children are now dismissed for children's worship. Melinda is in the back here to greet them. Well, we do turn now to our time of confession and assurance, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. And we'll do this together as, as a church and then have a time of song and quiet uh, personal confession. We know God's amazing love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know hope in this. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Come, be thirsty, come and welcome God. 
Please take a moment of personal quiet confession. Father, we confess our sin, that we were dead in our trespasses. But Lord, we in faith cling to the resurrection, that in Christ we have been redeemed and forgiven and made alive together with him. We rejoice in this good news, in the risen Christ. Amen. We'll stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Romans chapter 8. Please join me. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Well, as we've been welcomed into the family of God, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ.
please be seated. The Old Testament lesson this morning is Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The New Testament lesson is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 through 26. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Laura, for reading the scriptures. I'm glad to be able to gather with you today and look at God's word and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We're going to look at the passage from John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. Uh, but just, and just before we do that, just to mention that the sermon, there's two questions to help us kind of enter into the account. And that's my hope for this morning, is that we can enter into what Mary and John and Peter experienced. And so the two questions that we can ask are, what does John believe and what does Mary hear? What does John believe and what does Mary hear? And hopefully by asking those, we might consider for ourselves our own experience of the risen Christ. So let's look at John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. You can follow in your order of worship or your Bible, or just, or just listen as I read. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He, he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? 
She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as I mentioned, there's two questions that we can ask is what does John believe and what does Mary hear? And we can start with the first question about John. When we think about Easter as we gather here today, often what comes to mind maybe is, you know, pastel colors, spring mornings, (laughs) one day it will be warm here in Chicago, brightness, maybe you've enjoyed some Easter candy already or, or dyed some eggs. So we can think about these colors, but we should notice that our passage actually begins in the darkness, begins in the darkness of the morning. It's important to start where our passage starts. And to help, maybe we can imagine a stage, empty and dark. Of course, on that stage, you can picture maybe in a theater, moments earlier, the stage was very different, anything but quiet, anything but empty. On it was Jesus, joined by his disciples at the Passover table, then in the garden. There was the chief priests, the scribes in the court, soldiers, Pontius Pilate, Simon Peter offering denial after denial. And in the midst of all this crowds, crowds that continue to gather to see Jesus arrested, rejected, beaten, and nailed to a cross. And there on the stage is his mother, Mary, and Mary Magdalene as they watched his life pass away. It's from the cross that Jesus announced, it is finished. And with the bowing of his head, we can imagine the stage slowly empties. Once so busy, it's now dark and silent. This is where our passage begins. We're told about one person who steps onto the stage, one person who steps into the quiet morning. We can fix our attention on her. Here's Mary Magdalene. She will be the first person to encounter the risen Christ and the first messenger of the resurrection. But the morning starts in sorrow and confusion. So did you notice as she draws near the tomb, she's walking into this quiet morning already full of grief. She sees that the stone that covered the tomb has been taken away. She sees and she runs not towards the tomb but away from it, convinced that the body of Jesus has been stolen. Recently, after our worship services, we've been gathering at the McPherson School playground, as I mentioned in the beginning of the service, for a time of coffee and fellowship. That space, along with other playgrounds, are often filled with kids. Maybe you can imagine a picture you've seen by your own street recess, gym class, playing after school or after church. It's To hear and to see kids running on the playground, right, is joyful. To hear the noises. But it's different to see an adult run. (laughs) And I'm not talking here about running for exercise or a morning jog. See, Mary is running. Adults running often speaks of fear, of desperation, of concern. We see a a woman running in the darkness of early morning, and it's not common in that culture 
for men, especially though for women, to be running in this way. But yet the scene sets her in motion. Not only is Jesus dead, but someone has taken his body. It's nearly unbearable. So she runs. Why? Why are you doing this, God? What more can happen? So she runs, thinking only that she'll tell the disciples that the body is missing. Reaching Peter and John, Mary announces they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. This confusion and this fear that fill her now is transferred over onto Peter and John as well, and so they run in the opposite direction back towards the tomb. Peter arrives after John, but he does not stop at the entrance of the tomb. He goes right in. He sees the linen cloth lying on the bench of the tomb. He sees the face cloth, which had been wrapped around Jesus' head. This cloth, face cloth not lying with the linen has been folded and set by itself. Seeing Peter enter the tomb, John finds the courage to follow. The presence of these linen strips, the folded burial head covering, tell John that Jesus was not moved or stolen. No one stealing a body or moving the body would unwrap it. No thief would leave behind valuable linens and spices. No, John sees and he sees and he determines that this scene is someone having no further use of these burial linens has rolled them up and laid them aside. They ran to the tomb assuming that someone had taken the body, but the empty tomb tells a different story. Something stirs in John. He sees and he believes. We ask again, what does John believe? The author C.S. Lewis has a quote that I think is really helpful for us to think about the resurrection and what John is coming to grips with here. C.S. Lewis writes, we come to the strangest story of all. It is necessary to get the story clear. Something perfectly new in the history of the universe has happened. The door that has always been locked has been opened. The door that has always been locked has been opened. The person who died now lives. See, John sees and he believes Jesus has taken off the linens of death and darkness and stepped again into life. The one who was dead has walked out of the tomb. John sees and believes. A number of years back when my son, Owen, was I think around four or five, have a clear memory of this. We were building with some Legos and we were building a great battle scene on our basement carpet. I was working on a building to add to the layout and after I finished my building, I showed it to my son and his reply was, okay, it can be the bathroom. <laughs> it can be the bathroom. I was like, what, the bathroom? This is an awesome fort that I've constructed. His answer is no, it looks like the bathroom. Okay. This is a silly example, right, of someone passing judgment, making an evaluation of what's been offered. But I mentioned this silly example to tell us something or remind us of something that we know, that we're surrounded all the time by people making judgments and evaluations looking at what we do or listening to what we say and deciding what to think of us. Those close to us, those far away, they might dismiss us for who we are or, or what we have to offer. What does this have to do with what John believes? You see, Jesus is offering himself as king. He entered Jerusalem receiving the royal palms and the royal songs. He has identified himself as the one who truly shows who God is. This is what God is when he, look at me, Jesus is saying. 
but the powers and the people offer their judgments. He's a fool. He's weak. He cares for the wrong people. He doesn't know how the world really works. And so they rejected him, mocked him, and killed him. But now, but now, this is what Easter is about, but now he has been risen. And the resurrection of of God vindicates Jesus. The resurrection declares that the one who has humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross and who has received the name above all names, the resurrection says, look at him. To bring all of our questions, all of who we are to him about what is a good life, what is true, who is God and what's God like, the resurrection saying, look at this one. For God has passed his judgment and given him the name above all names. John sees and believes. Well, John and Peter, after investigating the empty tomb, they go back to their homes. But Mary has returned. And we can ask, what does she hear? What does she hear? After a morning of running, she stands at the tomb and weeps. Her tears and frustration remind us that we cannot speak about the resurrection without also speaking of death. Her tears remind us in the midst of life, even in our healthy life, there is a yawning chasm, a deep pit that cannot be avoided by any possession, by any amount of work, by any amount of human power. And whether thinking of ourselves or those that we love, we know that all paths lead to the edge of this chasm. Mary stoops and she looks down into it, to the chasm of death. She looks into the tomb. But to her surprise, where Jesus' body had been, there's now two angels, and they ask her, Woman, why are you weeping? And we need to hear that Mary in this moment is speaking into the chasm, this chasm of reality of death. He's gone. We might hear in her words echoes of our own, they've taken away my hope. Taken away the one I love. My husband or my wife. My mother, my father. My child. They've taken the one I love. And at that moment, Mary either hears a noise or senses the presence of someone else. And she turns and sees Jesus standing there but doesn't know that it's him. And we don't, we don't know why. John doesn't make clear to us what's happening, whether it's because she's crying or because she doesn't fully look at the person or maybe because his body has been transformed by the resurrection such that she does not recognize him. But then Jesus speaks. Do you see what he says to her? Her name, Mary. Mary. Jesus speaks one word, and in doing so, speaks of the hope that there's something more than death. Mary, a greeting, a comfort, an invitation. With one word, Jesus opens Mary's eyes so that she can see him. She turns and approaches Jesus, falling and holding his feet, clinging to him. He receives her, but yet tells her that now is not the time to hold him, to not cling to him, but to go to his brothers. I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Up until this point, Jesus has spoken of the father or the father who sent me, but now he speaks of the disciples' father. He's spoken of disciples as their name, their servants, or those who are his friends, but now he speaks of them as his brothers. See, what does Mary hear? When Jesus calls Mary by her name, when he speaks of the disciples as his brothers, when he says that this God is your father and your God, 
He's inviting to see that the resurrection was not just for him and his vindication, but it's for the vindication of all those who have faith in him. It's not something that God has acted for Jesus. It's not something that God has acted, but your God has acted for you. Your Father has acted for you in the midst of the chasm of death. See, Easter is the proclamation in God's deep love of acting for us in Christ. You and I don't add to Easter. We receive it. Jesus has taken off the linens of death and darkness and stepped again into life. And what Mary hears and what we're invited to hear is that God has done this for you and for me. For as he steps out of the tomb, he speaks our name. Jesus, the risen and vindicated Lord, leads us into life. His resurrection guarantees the Father is our Father, that his life is our life, and that his resurrection is our destiny. Amen. We are united to him in faith, and so death will no longer be the final word. Amen. Lord, I thank you for who you are and for your good news of Easter. Lord, speak to us comfort and hope today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Christ, in your resurrection, the heavens and the earth rejoice. By your resurrection, you have destroyed sin and death. By your resurrection, you filled the disciples with joy and brought salvation to the world. Lord, we do not look for Jesus among the dead, but join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as is our practice, we, we pause for a moment to remember what Jesus is offering us here. This table doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. It's Christ's table set for his people. And it is a, a visible word that tells us the good news of what Christ has accomplished. The bread broken and the cup speak of his sacrifice, of his death and suffering. That he takes our sin and our wounds, our brokenness upon himself, inviting sinners to come to his table. But not only does he take those things upon himself, but in the resurrection, Jesus has now given to us his life, his accomplishment, his vindication. So as we gather at the table, we do so as sinners, honest about our need, but received as sons and daughters of the Most High because of Christ's work for us. This is the good news. This is what this table gives to us to see and to hold and to taste. If this is what you believe, then come and eat and drink. Let the Spirit nourish you and strengthen you to walk not in your own strength, but in the work of Christ for you. God saw you and acted for you. Let this table be a witness to all of us of who God is and what God has done. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this bread and cup, and I pray, Lord, that you set them apart and that by your spirit you'd be here to minister to us. Lord, as we come in repentance and faith, meet us. Lift our heads out of shame. Speak grace into our guilt. Speak life into our worries and our sorrows. We thank you for the hope of the resurrection, that in you, Christ, our sin is not the final word, and that death is not the final word. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. In just a moment, I'll invite you forward. You'll, you can come down to two center aisles and receive the elements up front. I ask that you just go back on the sides. There is both wine and juice that's in the trays there's also the, the prepackaged elements if you feel more comfortable taking it that way. If you're not taking communion today, we're, still, we're glad that you're here. And I invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest. And then Pastor Eric or, or myself will offer you a blessing here at the front. After you've been served, I ask that you would take the elements back with you, if you're able, to hold them, that we can eat and drink together as one family. You may come forward, servers, at this time.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand, if you're able, that we can pray, <clears throat> pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus, let us remember all that you have done for us, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, and the ascension. Kindle great hope in our hearts as we wait for you to come in power and great glory to make all things new. together in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, we're going to receive our offering to the, to the work of the Lord, so I invite uh, Rob and Kayla to come forward. They can and pass the offering plates. I just want to take a, a couple of moments to remind you again of what I mentioned in the beginning, that uh, it would be great for you to stay after for a time of fellowship and coffee. Um, there's a little map you'll see at the back by the announcements. We can make our way over to the playground. It would be great to spend time together. Um, also, uh, as I mentioned, if you're joining us for the first time, thank you for being here. I'm glad that you could join us. Uh, on the welcome table on, on the way in, there's a connect card. You can fill out your information that one of the pastors can touch base with you. Um, also, you can do so through the, uh, the church website. There's a connect card there. Uh, it'd be great to be able to follow up and get to know you better. Let's continue giving to the work of the Lord. Please stand and join us for the doxology.
God's blessing. May the risen and victorious Jesus hold you in his love now and forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And go in peace. <laughs>